listening via, by the internet, same goes for you. You're listening right now. So don't, don't worry about calling somebody else to listen with you because you think they should be hearing this. Now, that's okay if you want to share, but you're listening. So something in here is for you. And when I'm ministering, I want you to understand that I also know that God is ministering to me as well. I'm not immune. Okay? So we're going to start in a scripture that we're familiar with by now. We, we were there last week, and that's going to be Romans 8, 12 through 14. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are the Spirit of God, that is, are sons and daughters of God. You see the qualification. If we're being led by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, we are His sons, we are His daughters. Amen? So I also want to read to you now uh, something we're familiar with out of Romans 8, and, and Lord, help me to tie this together. In Romans 8, beginning in verse 10, uh, 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Again, my brothers and sisters, there's so many things that you know, we can just exegete out of this. And, 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 but... Uh, for the sake of staying here just a normal you know, three hours instead of five. Well, at least somebody was listening. So. But no, but, but I want you to notice something right there. If you, I, I wish I would have um, also... You see that fear, the way I have it, um, I'm drawing your attention to it. How many of you know and understand that fear is a, is a sh- pretty strong motivator? It is, it is, it is a, it, fear is a, it can be a motivator. It, it could be something that persuades us, right? Not, not, listen, and uh, this is being, this is being showed us, this is not the fear of God that this scripture is talking about. Why? How do I know that? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, right? So look at slavery, slavery to what? Slavery to your old nature, slavery to sin, Right? So understand, they understood what slavery meant, and we understand it to a degree, but not to the degree that they did. So my brothers and sisters, look, he's speaking to fear in the negative sense. So in fear in the negative sense is a motivator. Tony, what the heck are you talking Listen, there are a lot of things that we do or do not do because of fear. Right? Because of fear of not having things, we'll compromise certain things and we'll do things for money Okay, and and to some of us, I mean, I'm not I'm talking about. It may not be something drastic, but you guys know my history, and you guys know my heart. There are many uh, young men that have been in and out of this ministry, and the people that we were called to, as it relates to who we were ministering to, and to break the cycle. And one of the things was they were motivated to have for a lack of stuff in order to have things, fear of not having enough. They sell drugs. That's part of the culture. That's part of what... And my brothers and sisters, that shouldn't be. So in order for us to understand that fear can be... Sometimes we need to look at some of those things. But I'm telling you that we don't have to look very far and it doesn't have to be necessarily that drastic. 
I'm not. What are you talking about? There's nobody in here sells drugs. Well, you don't know who does what, first of all. Secondly, it doesn't even have to be that drastic. How many times have we seen or heard of or do we know of folks that have compromised themselves on the job in order to get a raise or to order in order to increase status or stature so that they may go ahead, number one, keep the job. Come on. Or number two, like I said, increase the status or stature so that you can get the raise with it. See, so don't let the fear of, of not having things or fear of disappointing somebody. Here's, here's a good one. How about the fear? We want affirmation from somebody or, or, or that certain somebody. Or maybe it's not even a certain somebody. Just in general, we're trying to get affirmation. So we, we go ahead and we're enslaved because, you know, if I don't get that affirmation, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid they're not going to uh, like me. Uh, I'm afraid I won't be accepted. Come on, somebody help, help me here. So now all of a sudden we're doing things or we're compromising or we're not considering what God might want in that situation and we're just going ahead and doing something. Why? Because our motivation is wrong. It's motivated. It, our motivation is fear. We're doing something out of fear. Fear we might be rejected. Come on. And, and I'll be honest with you, I got a feeling in my heart that that's probably more prevalent than the previous. So don't be motivated by fear. Look, don't fall back into that slavery. Why? Because you've, you're, you're, now you're living under the Spirit of God. You've been set free. You're no longer in debt to your old nature. You're no longer in debt to the flesh. You're no longer in debt to that. That stuff doesn't apply to you no more. You've been bought up. But this is a great thing. Are, are you with me? This is a great thing. You know, the title of this message, uh, I'm not big on that, but I, uh, this, I, I want you to get this point. Benefits of Ownership. Benefits of ownership. I'm going to read something to you real quick. Uh, you can refer to it later. It's out of John 14, 7 through 9. This is Jesus speaking. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Just show us the Father and it'll be good. That's all we need. Just show us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you still have not known me? You see what Jesus, you see the words he's saying? And you still have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Okay, so now watch. Well, Tony, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Jesus is saying that he's God, him and the Father are one. Yeah, yeah, it it is, but if you want to say it, well, because that just means that they're one in spirit, they're one in philosophy, they're one in in what they believe, how they operate. They're just one that way, like, you know, you and your father could be one. There's another Tony. Actually, there's three Tonys. You know, me, you know, I've heard it. You're just like your father. I've heard it in a negative connotation, and I've heard it in a positive connotation. You're just like your father. Okay, and I'm sure my son has heard the same thing. You're stubborn, just like your father. But, but, but regardless of that, that's not what this means. That's not what Jesus is saying. But those, my brothers and sisters, who want to go ahead and take Jesus down a couple of notches, those who want to believe that Jesus is that loving, kind prophet, those that want to believe that Jesus is the one who is, you know, he's the, he's the lamb, and he's so loving, he's so kind, he's so merciful. He's so, yeah, he is that, every bit of that, but he's also, he's also the judge that we're going to have to appear before. He's a righteous judge. Yeah, he's all of that. Now I want to read, to, I think I, got, I gave you this one. Jesus, is this in John 8, 58 and 59. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and he so passed by. I am. 
This is the same language that God himself used before Jesus walked in a physical body. Jesus always existed, but before he walked on this earth in a physical body, remember what Moses said to God when God called him to minister to the Israelites. What did he say? Man, the, the, the children of Israel are going to want to know, you know, who sent me? Who? He, God said this, you tell them, I am that I am has sent thee. Jesus is saying, before Abraham was, I am. He's saying that out of his own mouth. Now, Jesus really didn't mean that. He's just saying, he's just making a point that he understood the truth. Before. No. They knew exactly what he meant. You know how I know that? Because I'm smart. No, because look what it says. It says that they took up stones to kill him because they knew exactly what he meant when he said, before Abraham was, I am. They knew that he was saying, I am God. Tony, why are you wasting your time on that? I'm not. I want you to know that who is your benefactor? Your benefactor is Almighty God. Almighty God is your benefactor, period. That one that we just sung about, and believe me, I didn't pick that song. Christina picked that song, uh, and Christina and Michelle, I think, were in cahoots, and they picked that scripture that Christina read from, but it so meshes so well. It meshes so well. But see, I could say that, and I say that in a kind of a kidding around tone, but we know who really picked it. The Holy Spirit picked that. Why? Because He knew the message that He gave me. And He knew what, we, what this would be all about. He knew that we need to get this. Our benefactor is God Almighty. And when our kids are being told different things... And listen, here's why else I need to say this. You would be shocked to hear some of the questions that I get from people that have lived under my teaching for a long time. I can't. Be, now, I don't want to scare you. I don't want you to be embarrassed. And I don't want to say, well, I'm never going to ask him a question again. No, ask the questions because we need to know. Because that might be, maybe I'm not communicating it well. Maybe, maybe, in, my, maybe in my past uh, pastoral life, I didn't communicate as properly. And that's why these questions are coming back. But even other people who have been Christians for years, Come back and ask questions that are very rudimentary, very basic. And, 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 and I want to tell you why. It's not because they haven't been taught. It's because they've been taught by someone and they're believing that someone instead of being taught by someone who's teaching them why you should believe this. See, I'm not just telling you what you should believe. I'm telling you why you should believe it. I didn't make it up. And it's not something that I eisegeted. This is an exegesis. This is something, I didn't apply my philosophy to the Scripture. What I did was, I drew what the Scripture was supposed to say out of the Scripture. Well, why are you so smart? No, I'm not. I'm the, I could be the most illiterate, biblically illiterate person you ever met in your life. But here's what I know. I know what the Holy Spirit is teaching out of these Scriptures, and I don't go ahead and study it on my own. I use Him to study, and I use Scripture to interpret Scripture. And I'm, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, there's more and more. Right now, there, there are people that are going around and they're talking specifically, and I'm concerned for our young people and some of our older people, but for, especially for our young people, that you can go ahead and believe in Jesus and not believe that He is God. You can't. You can't. Then you might as well throw this whole thing away. Because it's based on that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? Because Tony said so? Because that's not good enough. What happens is if you don't have your feet planted firmly on this biblical foundation, if you don't know that you know because it's out of that Bible, you're liable to get rocked later on when the test and the trials come. Hey, that's what happens when we're in the middle of those situations. 
and we forget who our real benefactor is. And we start looking to man, oh, I gotta get, I gotta compromise to get this promotion. You know, I wanna please this person because, you know, I, I will feel better about myself if I have, you know, someone else kind of giving me this affirmation. No, if we understand truly who our benefactor is, then that stuff becomes less important and we're less apt to compromise when we're tested. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that you agree with me. We are not in debt to a finite philosophy or an idea, or some kind of cult, or some kind of cult leader. We are in debt to Almighty God. We are in debt to Almighty God, the one who owns it all. We are in debt to Him. We are owned by Him. Amen? Listen, remember, we're together in Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Remember, those of us who are studying discipleship on Wednesdays, this is common. We've heard this scripture and even from the pulpit on Sundays time and time again because I think that we have to get a hold of this. We have to understand this. That word Lord there implies ownership. So let me go back to it now. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus owns you, that Jesus owns you and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thereby confirming everything that he said and did. Amen? You hear me? Okay. Then you'll be saved. i got to confirm, i got to affirm with my mouth, believe it in my heart, that Jesus owns me. And that's, we've discussed this before. My brothers and sisters, you know, that's, that's kind of not a good thing to talk like that. No one owns me. I mean, my own man, and you know, I make my own decisions and all that. Go ahead and make your own decisions. But, 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 but I'm not trying to be flippant about this. I take this very seriously, and I and I need for myself. I need for me to understand this better and, and deeper, and to live more and more like that, where I understand totally and emphatically that He owns me. I am not my own. Corinthians. I've been bought with a price. Amen? And I'm okay with it. Hallelujah. So now, I'm talking to you today about the benefits of ownership. Now, if we look at the benefits of ownership from our perspective, you know, it's okay. The first thing that came to my mind when I was considering this message was, you know, the new car thing. Because I'm always on Michelle. The car that we have right now, you know, we didn't buy it brand new, but we bought it pretty nice and all that. We don't buy new cars. I just don't believe in that. I just... Anyway, we bought that car and, okay, we paid it off and now it's paid off and I'm great with it and I keep reminding her, this thing has to last until the Lord calls me home. I'm not buying another one. Let's take care of it. So I'm always preaching to her and I've got to be honest with you, not so nicely, I'm, pray for me. Uh, you know, we need to take better care of this thing. Look at the scratches on this thing. Look at this. Look how dirty. Look how blah, 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 blah. Don't look at my truck. That doesn't count. See? But now, think about that for a moment. You know, we own it when we bought... I remember the first car that I bought. Mom could testify. It was old when I bought it, but it was well-kept. My father and mother helped me out with the insurance on it. And boy, and I paid for it with the money that I earned, but I couldn't afford the insurance, so they helped me with that. But man, I polished that thing. I worked on it in the driveway. and I did, Man, I had... Man, I took care of that. Amen? Yeah. Yes. I took care of that thing, boy, because it was new to me and it was awesome and I was going to take care of it. But guess what? After a little while, the new start wearing off and 
I didn't worry, man, I was doing the rat races in the street. Don't y'all do that. I was doing those rat races in the street, and I was bragging about how fast that car was, and it wasn't even hopped up, but it was good. It could, back then, the, the Trans Ams were the thing. That's Smokey and the Bandit and all that stuff. And there was the richest kid in town. He owned a Trans Am, and I'd beat him in a rat race. I smoked him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, I did. But, again, was I thinking long-term no, I was just trying to impress some folks. I was just, you know, a young kid doing something that he had no business doing. Thank God, thank God that God was with me, that he had a call on my life. Because I wasn't born again then. And I could have died because I was running down the wrong side of the street. I cut this guy off. I made a turn on the wrong side of the street without seeing what was coming on that side. I mean, I did some stupid, and don't you all do that, especially young people, don't think about that, because I'm telling you something. Thank God I could have died. You should be thanking God too, because you wouldn't see me right now. One amen and all of that, come on. (laughs) So no, but think about that for a moment. So, So now all of a sudden, that new is wore off of it a little bit, and it doesn't mean the same thing to me. Right? I don't care for it in the same way. Yeah, it's still mine, but it's not as important as it used to be. Are you with me? Okay, so now, that's, that's the benefits of ownership. I could do what I want with it. Without care. No one could tell me anymore, you know, don't do that. Well, I own it. You can't tell me what to do with it. I'll do with it what I want. Isn't that our perspective from a human point of view? Now, it doesn't have to be necessarily that crass, or that cruel, as I've just said it, but inside of us, if we were really honest with, with each other and with ourselves, we know that, hey, it's mine. You're not going to tell me what to do with it, right? Okay, so now let's look at the benefits of ownership from God's perspective. Psalm 103. I'm going to, part of it will be on the board, I hope. Go ahead and you can put that up there, but the rest I'm going to read. So please, listen with your hearts, your spiritual ears. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. What's iniquities? Anybody remember? Sin. It's sin, but it's, it's immorality. It's, it's any kind of immorality. Any kind of, it's just filthiness. Who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen, this isn't just speaking to us, just he gives us good food to eat. No, he's giving us every good thing that we need to enjoy a great life. That's what that basically, I, I really believe that. I'm not going sideways with that. I'm not isogeting anything. My brothers and sisters, he, he gives us these things that we need to sustain a good life. Verse 6, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. He hasn't squashed me like a bug yet for the mistakes that I've already made. Benefit. Benefit. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As far as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. Hallelujah. See, there, there's the benefits that, that, that we have. Look at So we're owned by God. But look at being owned by God benefits us. And that's only part of it. I mean, I could read to you so many scriptures, and many of you can, can comment right from where you're sitting some of the benefits that you already know of, some of the promises that we have, all the promises of Abraham are yes and amen to those of us who are in Christ, and so many of the things that we've been promised. But just look at it from God's perspective. God's perspective is, I own you, I can do what I want with you, and I want to bless you. Isn't that awesome? That's the God that we serve. And look at what it says in Romans 8.31. Another one, the second part of, uh, of verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? See, that's the benefit, my brothers and sisters, that's the benefit of being owned by God. So we're in debt. We're in debt to God. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. We belong to Him. Thank God, because I benefit greatly from belonging to Him. Ownership from God's point of view is, listen, I'm going to take care of what I own. I'm going to bless what I own. It's not like us. And he hasn't gotten tired of me. I've been living 50-something years right now. And he hadn't gotten tired of my act yet. I give him credit because I would have. Come on now. See, don't you all look at me like that. Somebody, don't you look at me like Because I'm going to tell you, he would have got tired by... Uh, good thing he is who he is because he would have got tired by you, you as well. But that man, see, he's... He's not like us. We've got to understand this, this God that we serve, this awesome, mighty God. And I want you to understand, and that's why I, I took the pains in the beginning. I believe that's where the Spirit led us. Is Yeah, we can understand Jesus, the man, because, listen, my brothers, that's how, in Him was contained all the Godhead bodily, that we might be able to understand a little bit about who God is, what He is. He took a body that he would not only be able to, to display openly and to go ahead and pay the price to live a perfect life and become qualified, the only qualified being to spill his blood that we all might be saved, that our sins would be paid for. He paid the price. He paid the debt that I owed and I could not pay. So I put my faith and my trust in him and now he owns me. And that's why I want you to know Jesus, the merciful, Jesus, the kind, Jesus, the one who turns the other cheek, Jesus, the one, yes, that Jesus, but that Jesus also who says, go and sin no more. Hallelujah. He owns me. But look at all the benefits that I have from his ownership. Praise God. Praise God. Part of the problem that we have is, I believe in my heart, that it's, we look at things, we don't look at things as in the context of eternity. We, we look at things in the here and now too often. And if we look at anything in the eternity, in, according to the eternal, it's all about saving us from hell. You know, heaven is just the opposite place of going to hell when that's really not what it is. I, I, 
Are you with me? If it's, again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself, but I want somebody to get this, or maybe somebody listening now needs to hear this. My brothers and sisters, listen. If I'm simply running to God to escape hell, sooner or later, that's going to catch up with me. That might be my initial motivation, but I better be going ahead and learning something about my benefactor. I better be learning something about the one who saved me from that hell. Because it's all about relationship with him, as hopefully we'll understand a little bit further in this message. But see, we have an enemy. The enemy of our soul is constantly, constantly trying to distract us, constantly tempting us with the here and now. You know, I mentioned a little while ago about the new car and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. I'm not trying to say to anybody, in, well, if you, if you buy a new car, um, you're, you're, you're lusting or whatever. I'm not trying to say you're in sin if you buy a new car. If you want to buy a new car, go buy a new car. If you want to buy the most expensive car in the lot, go buy the most expensive car in the lot. That doesn't worry me. It doesn't concern me. It's not, that's between you and God. It doesn't matter to me. And I'm not saying it's a sin for you to want nice things. It's not a sin for you to have a house. It's not a sin for you to have nice things. It's not a sin. It's a sin when those things have you. When that becomes where you're spending your time and attention, when those things dictate what you do and must do. I'm going to work three jobs now because I have to have this bigger house and a better car. Well, when you have three jobs, how much time are you spending with the Lord? That's the truth. I know that. Been there. Done it. Even when I was a Christian, or excuse me, I'm sorry. Even when I was a Christian, I'm a young man, and I'm thinking, I need to provide for my children. You've heard this. Some of you have been with me for a while. I know you're hearing this again, but please, there may be someone who needs to hear this. So don't tune me out. Or maybe you need to be reminded of it. I'm thinking that the best thing that I can do as a father who loves the Lord and loves his children is to provide things for my children. I'm going to make sure that they have things. I'm going to make sure that they're not wanting for anything. They're always going to have a roof over their head. They're always going to have food on the table. They're all, I'm going to put them in private school, even when I can't afford it, and I'm going to do that by working. And their mother sacrificed and worked hard. Their mother did not do things so that uh, she didn't go on trips. She, didn't go, she sacrificed. You know, not any different than a lot of you out there. But then later on in my life when I became more spiritually mature and I had such great people around me where God, by His Holy Spirit, made sure that I come to understand and find out the best thing that I could provide for my children is time. Time. Be there with them. Be an example of the Lord in front of them. Let them see you studying the Scripture. Not that you could throw the Scripture at them so that they know that you're a student. Let them see who your owner is. Let them see who you, who you worship, who you adore. Let them see who is at the center of your life. And when you do have the blessing, let them see who you give thanks to for, uh, uh, for those blessings, who you give thanks to those blessings for. My brothers and sisters, I know that was grammatically incorrect, so just forgive me. You knew what I meant. My brothers and sisters, listen. That's what this is about. He owns me. And when he owns me, I do the things according to his will, according to his way. And I got to hit my eyes off of the here and now and not think that my kids are going to be made any happier because I can give them a bunch of things. Oh, when they're young and immature, they may look at some things and, and sure, you know, what parent in their, room, in their room has never heard, well, all the other dads... 
or all the other moms, we've all heard it. We've all heard it. Or Johnny gets to do this, and that little Brock Morton gets to do that, and that little... We've heard it. We've heard it. Or so-and-so has this. Why can't I? We've heard it. We've heard it. But, my brothers and sisters, if we go ahead and we give in to all of those things, we're teaching our kids to be just like us. Motivated by the here and now. Motivated by the here and now. My brothers and sisters, man... The enemy of our soul is bombarding us and our kids. It's crazy. We're being led around by our old natures, these lusts that we had, our feelings. Uh, You know, think about this. Feelings become all of a sudden more important than substance. You know, if I intend to do good, that's all that counts. Well, I, I believe there's a scripture in here that talks about that. If someone comes to you and they're in need of food and, they're, and, and, and you say, well, oh, I'll pray for you. When you have food to give them, give them food. Why? Because the prayer, you might have good intentions, but if you have something to give, you give it, that takes care of the need. So the good intentions don't mean anything unless you follow through. So, so again, feelings in this feel-good kind of atmosphere that we've kind of grown up in is feel-good kind of stuff for maybe the last two generations where we, we're afraid to correct people, we're afraid to correct children, we're, you know, we can't um, say something that you know, might offend somebody because you know, Lord knows if we correct somebody, you know, we're going to ruin their self-esteem or you know, they're going to come back on us or, or the whole nine yards. I mean, my brothers and sisters, that, that's, that's wrong. It's, it's just absolutely wrong. And we're seeing the, we're reaping the reward of that right now. We've sown that for a couple of generations and now in this culture, we're reaping it. But what concerns me as a pastor, even of a small congregation, is that it's crept into the church. I want to show you, I, want to rec- I know you know this, but in the garden, remember God created everything and, and his most prized creation the most, you know, was, was man. And so he, he let Adam name all of the animals and um, he said to Adam, this is yours. All of this is yours. But he said, there's one thing that I'm reserving. That tree. I don't want you to, I don't want you to touch it. Don't, don't eat of that fruit. You, you know, don't eat of that fruit. Right? The one thing. So I, I heard a, a minister say not too long ago and I really, it really ministered to me. And I want to share it with you. You know, God said to Adam, this is yours. Subdue it. Right? Have dominion over it. I'm I'm turning this over to you. But, there's that thing that you can't eat. I still own something. I'm still the owner. I'm still in charge. But see, my brothers and sisters, look, there's just that one thing. Adam can do anything that he wanted to do with it. Everything except that one thing. But look, look, here, more than that, the benefactor said to Adam, I'm giving this to you. You subdue it. You have dominion over it. And what he did was he met with Adam in the cool of the day. This speaks to our God, this magnificent, this mighty being that I, I just can't even understand, but I'm, he gives me glimpses of himself sometimes and I get so charged and, and I... And I in my own flesh, I can't communicate it well, so Holy Spirit, help me right now. Imagine the one who spoke all of that into existence, who, who, who just 
man, when you look at creation and you look at the, the mountains and you look at the sea and you look at all of them, right? Think of a, when your baby were, was born and, and that life came forth out of your wife and you, I mean, you just look at the way God created and set all of this up. That very magnificent being turned it over to man and said this, I want to enjoy this with you. He said that in so many words. Listen, he went with Adam and he walked and talked with Adam in the cool of the day. It says that he came, he, God, came down. He didn't transport Adam up there. He didn't speak to him, you know, from heaven. He went down and walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Why? Because, listen, this is something, here, let's look, let's marvel at this together. Let's have relationship over this awesome creation over this awesome thing that you've been blessed with. Let's enjoy it together. See, God, when He created, how many times do we look at that text and it says, God saw that he went, what He created was good. 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 But then He created man so that He would have somebody to enjoy it with, someone to share it with. Speaks to love and relationship. Speaks to love and relationship. That's our benefactor. And then when man turned his back on God, God didn't eliminate totally all of mankind. He always kept a remnant remnant that he blessed. And then after they built the Tower of Babel, they they didn't want God to be their owner they, did, they wanted to make their own way to heaven. They worshipped the way they wanted to worship. Did God destroy them? No. He confused their language. But then he called somebody named Abram. Why? Because God who loves us, that benefactor who loves humanity so much, was still not willing to give up on humanity. Why? He created it for us. He gave it to us. And he still wants to enjoy it with us. That's the benefactor. That's our owner. He created us. He could have destroyed us at any moment, but He didn't. And then even then, when He has a stubborn and stiff-necked people who He reveals Himself to time and time and time again, He still says, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to take a body myself and I'm going to save you. And anybody who would believe in me, anybody who would trust me, anybody who would trust this way, you'll be with me forever. That fellowship, that relationship that I intended from the beginning, you'll enjoy. That's our benefactor. That's the God, the Almighty One, the One who clothes Himself in inapproachable light. That One, that's how He feels about you and me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's our benefactor. That's our owner. He didn't own us to be slaves to Him. He owned us that He would benefit us. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Huh? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And listen, forget not all His benefits. Don't forget about His benefits. I'm here today to remind you your owner is your benefactor, he, and he's not just some slub. Let me give you an illustration. And now this illustration I don't want you to get bored with because this is a story that we all know. It's the story of the prodigal son. So please, hear. Open your heart, hear. 
in Luke 15, beginning in verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Does anybody remember who this is? Well, this is the one they call a prodigal son. What is prodigal? Prodigal means that he was wild. He was, li- he was living wildly, immoral, in debauchery, decadence, all of these synonyms, all of these things. He was basically living, listen, without governance at all. No rules, no regs. I feel, I do. I want, I get. Are you with me? Hmm. I can relate to that in this culture. The problem that I have is it's starting to creep into the church. That's the problem that we're having. That's why the church needs a revival. And the revival starts as individuals when we say, no, uh-uh, I'm supposed to come out from among them. I'm supposed to be different. If I still look like them, then really, who owns me? My brothers and sisters, listen, I'm not trying to beat you over the head. I'm trying to get you to understand. If we, man, forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Hallelujah. So we know what happens. This young man, the youngest of the two sons, goes to his father and basically says, you're not dying quick enough. I want my inheritance now. Why? What is he basically saying? I don't want to live under your rules and your regulations. I want to do what I want to do. Now listen, help me out, pastors. Help me out. Am I going crazy here? Am I on a wild tangent? That's basically what he's saying. I don't want to live according to your rules. I don't want to live you know, according to you being lordship, your lordship. I want to live the way I want to live. So give me what I, my, what's coming to me, and let's call it a day. And that's exactly what the father did. You, want, you asked for it, you got it, Toyota. And we know what happens. He ends up, after all of the money's gone, after all of the, the, and he cannot bless his friends anymore, when all of the leeches have finally realized there's no more blood to be sucked, he finds himself, and I don't mean to be crass, so please understand, but that's the way it happens. Because that's the way the enemy of our soul, he makes it look good. It's going to be great. Everything's fine. Everybody loves you. Everybody likes you. You're well like, look, at you can walk in this crowd now. You've got a little bit of this. You could do a little bit of that. You'll be accepted by this crowd. But don't uh, disagree with that crowd. Let me just tell you, if you get in the middle of that crowd and then you get Jesus and you start speaking Jesus, uh, let's see how much they love you then. No. Here's what happens. We know what happens. They go. There's no more blood to be sucked. The leeches go. And so now he finds himself tempted to eat the very thing that he's feeding the swine with. And that's when it says he comes to himself. And look at what it says. I will rise and go to my father and and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Look at verse 19 with me. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I don't even deserve the status of sonship. But... I would be happy being your servant. See, are you, is this tracking with you? Remember where we started. You know, if we have the Spirit of God living in us, we're the sons and the daughters of God. And we're no longer in debt to our old nature, to the flesh anymore. Now we owe it to Him to walk as His sons and daughters. How do we do that? By the Spirit that He put in us. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and, and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And before the son could say, just make me your servant. See? 
This is your benefactor. See, that father is a picture of the way your father in heaven feels about you. This is before he could say, before the younger son could say, I'll just, I'm just satisfied being your servant. The father cut him off. No, no, no. You're my son. But the father said to his, his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, day, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Hallelujah. Don't even, he didn't even have to beg him to get back in the house. He didn't even have to beg him, just let me go ahead and serve you. I don't even deserve to be... He couldn't even get that out of his mouth. So the father ran to, met, to meet him, kissed him, put the ring on him, put the robe on him, restored him to son status, and rejoiced with everyone else. But see, the son realized something. What did the son realize? My, my father has, is this character. He has this character about him. He takes care of people. He takes care of all, even his servants, he takes care of. He cares about them enough to make sure that they're well taken care of. That they have the things that they need. Hallelujah. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, "What, uh, what are these things? What do they mean? And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. Who was angry? The son, the older brother. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who was devoted who, I'm sorry, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Look at verse 31. The father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. You are already and have been a benefactor, but you didn't want it. See, you're obeying because of what you perceive you could get. You're obeying, you're sitting here, but you don't even realize what you have. You're looking at receiving an inheritance. You're looking at what's going to happen then, not now. You're not enjoying now. You're not enjoying the benefits of being my son now. You're not enjoying the benefits of being in relationship with me now. Why? Because all you're thinking about is all the wealth and riches that you're going to get when I die. Hallelujah. And you know that, and and in your mind, somehow, it's owed to you. My brothers and sisters, there are so many things that we can um, exegete from this. And I don't want to be accused of attaching any of my beliefs or, you know, anything and going sideways with this. But man, when I look at this and I see the current condition, I see the condition of the church today. As a pastor, I'm saying, listen, we need to go ahead and enjoy the benefits of being his children now but not like it's been presented. The name it and claim it stuff, this, uh, you know, you know what I'm going to say. You know, uh, you, can, uh, you can have it all and do it all. You can be part of the world and you can bring the world into church and you can still enjoy the benefits of, of being his. No, you, no, that's not, no. See, the younger son found that out. See, the younger son realized, look, when I live under my father's rules, let's say for lack of a better word, because that's the way people see us Christians. 
See, they see us Christians as, you know, we got to live according to a certain rule or law. Uh, you know, the olden days, you can only wear dresses this long. You, can, you can't watch this. You can't see that movie. You can't. They just see the, the don'ts and the do's, and that's what they associate a Christianity. Or even Judeo-Christianity. Well, it's all tied up in these rules and laws. No, it's tied up in relationship. Here's what I know. I deserved hell. Living like all of that outside there, what they're doing. I deserved hell for chasing what I wanted. I deserved hell for living according to my feelings. But then I met Jesus, and I read about Jesus, I found out that, listen, when God called me, He called me into a relationship with Him. And because of this relationship with Him, because I saw the love that He poured out for me, now I love Him. And because I love Him, I want to I be part of His family. And I understand that being part of His family means that I can't be part of the world's family. So I made the choice. I want to be part of His family. Now, those who are part of the world's family, he died for them just like he died for me. I was part of that family before. I know what that was like. And he welcomed me to his family. So I'm not in any way standing here and saying, well, you know, later for them. No, no. We're supposed to be making disciples of them. We're supposed to be living like his church outside these walls so that they can be brought in to the family. Amen? Hallelujah. 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 I love him. I love him. So I want to continue his work here. What was his work? Calling the lost unto the Father. Calling the lost into his family. Amen. How am I doing? How am I doing? Man, you're living according to these rules and laws, older son only because of this. But you're not even realizing this relationship that you can have. You're not even realizing that, listen, the love that I have for you is what compels me. Look what the Father said. All that I have is already yours. My brothers and sisters, we should be of the... I'm I'm so tired. And you've heard me say this so many times. I'm so tired of us living below what God has promised us. And I know that He's not failing. I have to realize the benefits, the, what the benefactor has given me, what is, is, is right there at my disposal. And so I, I have to, well, see, there, there you go. So I've got to be good and hope I'm good enough. No, I just have to love him more than I love myself. I just have to love him more than I love the things of this world. If I do that, that's it. That's all I have to do. All I have to do is put him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Well, see, it says in his righteousness. Those who hunger and thirst after, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, see, there you go. You got, no, see here, he provided that. His righteousness, God bless you. His righteousness has been imputed to me in Christ Jesus. So all I have to do is follow Christ. Follow Christ. Hallelujah. My benefactor is not waiting for me to do a certain thing so that he can bless me with that thing. My benefactor is not waiting for me to mess up so he can pull one of the benefits away from me. My benefactor is saying, it's here for you. Where are you? It's here for you. All that I have is yours. Where are you? See, The older brother was there in body. 
but he wasn't there in spirit. Where are you? So now remember where we started. This message isn't for your husband, for your wife, for your child, for anybody, for that one. Oh, I wish so-and-so. I wish I would have brought so-and-so here. You're here. You're here. So where are you? So think, Lord, how does this apply to me? And now help me to understand fully what it is that you're trying to teach me. Strengthen me now, Lord, to walk in that way that you've just laid before me. I guarantee you, not because I'm anybody, because I'm nobody, but I'll guarantee you because of what he says, he will help you. Amen? Stand with me, please.